Hey everybody, welcome back to Star Wars Historians. Uh, today we've got another episode in the writing room, David and I do. Say hi, David. What's up, everyone? That's not what I told you to say. I said say hi. You know, ever since you moved to Dallas, you've been a completely different person. You know, and I don't like that. Ever since you've been married, you've been a completely different person. <laughs> that is That is true. <laughs> I am different now. <laughs> because of that fact. I don't know you anymore. It's because of Obi-Wan. So we've got another episode of The Writing Room where we're going to finish off our pitch for The Lando Show. Which is a little bit strange because I feel like most times whenever people pitch a show, they normally don't pitch both seasons. But um, that's that's what we're going to do. Because uh, I, think, I, think, I think that's proper considering how we have envisioned Star Wars TV shows being. Star Wars TV shows aren't meant necessarily to go on forever i think they're meant to tell a specific story yeah no i totally agree and i really really liked what we had nailed down for season one of lando calrissian's uh, disney plus series i think what we were able to do is able to establish you know what kind of things did we want to see from lando um what was the climax of season one but then we left it on a cliffhanger uh, heading into season two, you know, he finishes um, a top-notch uh, job, which we, we didn't establish that yet, but really we're just trying to get the skeletons of that. Um, but it leads to, in the finale, in the season finale, where um, Lando finds the crew that he was with, you know, they're all, they've all been killed by Dryden Voss and Crimson Dawn. Um and then we and then we end it right there, so that way when we come back in season two, there's a lot of questions and a lot of speculation about okay, what happens from here on out, um, and so let's just pick up from there. So, I mean, the first question that we have to ask is, well, why doesn't Dryden kill Lando off the spot? And I think what we have to say is. The, the pairing so Lando is able to convince Dryden that he and L3 are useful to him and that they can do something for him that others can't that they can be the best pilots in the world which then which then prompts Dryden to accept it because even though he's bat crap crazy um, he's very much open to business as it were as we see in solo that if he can get something out of somebody then he might he just might not kill them uh, yeah and i think there has to be a distinction between um what happens in solo what happens in the series because you see that um han and beckett have to try and convince dryden voss not to kill them uh and the reason that Dryden uses in Solo is the fact that, you know, my boss is not going to want to hear excuses. Uh, my butt is also on the line in this situation. Um, if we do something where it has, it's a personal vendetta or a personal agenda by Dryden Voss himself, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a Crimson Dawn issue. But it's something of just, it's specifically with Dryden Voss and whoever his inner circle is that Lando has to try and appease. Um, 
That's why death is not a first option because he sees how successful Lando and his crew is. But really, Lando uh, is in this last job that they did that he says, hmm, I can use that to my advantage. I could use I could use Lando to for my own personal agenda. And I think that's what Lando that's how he he and L3 aren't killed mm-hmm. or disintegrated. Which, which the, because which then prompts Dryden to kind of mention this Felucia job. Now, you I know you and I don't really know what that is. And as a result of that, I think probably the best way to go about it might be to actually keep it in secret for most of the season. Because the latter half of the season is all going to be about doing that job. And so the first half, I think you leave it kind of unknown, uh, but you, you mention it, you know a few details about it, kind of the people that you need for it. And then, so you spend the first half of that of the second season preparing for it and then the the last half kind of finished like finishing the job and then just like lando wiping his hands clean of the crimson dawn stuff i guess the only possible thing that we could allude to if we wanted to just be like okay this is an important mission and here's why um you could say that the Felucia job is creating because it's a it's a it was a major trade route in the Clone Wars, um, and so we could do something to where Crimson Dawn is trying to get complete control over this trade route, um, or Dryden Voss for himself to sell spice to sell whatever he wants. Um, that is a primal route that he needs that no other uh, no other spice gang could receive. And so it's important for him to be able to receive this thing. Right. So that's a, that raises a good point then. So should, because the kind of the way that you've been describing it for just now um, is that the Felucia job isn't a, like an immediate thing. Like the Kessel run, like the Kessel run, you go to Kessel, you get the uh, coaxium and then you run. Um, this one might take like multiple trips or multiple different like phases of the job. Um, so, so is that better? Um, and it might actually be because we're doing a television format that, and it might, so, or maybe we can do a little bit of both where you have, you have the job overall looking down at it has multiple steps but then like right near the end, you kind of climax with kind of like a singular like part of the heist or a singular part of the job that um, is, is more intense than the rest. Yeah. And even due to the severity of whatever that initial job was in season one, however big that was, it isn't just one job that Lando has to do for Dryden Voss. It could be a series of different jobs that leads up to the Felucia job. Right. To where even Dryden Voss is making it a thing to where each job adds another piece to the puzzle of this whole Felucia job that says it's leading up to something. Uh, and if he fails even one of the missions even before, that could cost lando his life okay yeah i think i think that's a good way to look at it 
Because basically, so Dryden Voss is going to have Felucia in his mind from like episode one of season two, but nobody mm-hmm. else is going to know about it until say how how many episodes did we say for season like eight? Eight to ten. Okay, I think is what what we were working with. So if we're doing eight episodes, then probably around uh, episode six, or if we're doing ten episodes, then probably around episode seven. Um, mm-hmm. And that's whenever you find out about the Felucia job. Or or you find out about the Felucia job at the end of the episode before that. Right. And I think it's important that we have a character who... This is where it gets good. I think this is where we start playing into introducing characters um, from Solo. I think uh, Kiro works with Lando in this. He's introduced. And... And we could do this thing to where, um, you know, Lando considers Kira kind of how Han considered Kira um, in, in Solo in the terms of he thinks, oh, this is a this is a sweet young girl who unfortunately has got herself caught up with Dryden Voss. Um, but then you find out in like episode six that she's actually in league and serving Dryden Voss in a more close personal way. She's the point person between Dryden Voss and Lando right. through this series. Right. Oh yeah, I'm glad that you clarified it that way because I I did not want uh for I thought you were about to say that um Lando views Kira in the same way as Han and that Lando views Kira as like a um romance opportunity. I I would not want that. <laughs> Uh, at least not in the same way as Han. And, well, no, actually just pretty much not at all. Because I think what we see of that picture in Solo is just how he smoozes over, like, everybody. So. Right. And I think that's extremely, uh, yeah, I didn't want it to, to come across that way. And I guess it, I, I fixed it in how I worded yeah, it. Yeah, no, yeah, you said but, it You said it right. Um, but I think that's good because I think it's very much the sort of picture of Kira that we're supposed to get is that... Um, she seems real innocent, but then she gets her hands dirty and her hands get very dirty over time. I don't want to say, uh, I don't want to say she's that, she's that girl in a TV show that, um, you think you're going to like initially and then they completely mess up her character and you're just like, what the heck? How do they ruin this? Like very sweet character. I think this is what happens with Kira. Uh, I think the intention is to like her, but as we get deeper and deeper into season two, we just realize, whoa, this is, this is a girl who will do anything to survive. Right. And I think we're helped by the movie in that sense, because if, if we were writing it, um, and Solo wasn't a movie, then there might very well be that kind of pushback from the audience that they really wanted Kira to be like kind of a good person or a helpful person. Um, But because of Solo, they already know how she operates. And so we're just carrying that over into the TV show again. Yeah. And I think what I was going for even in saying, uh, it's a thing to where the audience will know something Lando doesn't. Right. Yeah. That's going to be that really cool that, effect of just like we. Irony, yeah. It's like we know what Kira is going to be about now. How 
how do we get there? And then once that happens, you're just like, ah, yeah, I see. I like I like the idea of Crimson Dawn is trying to own the trade or own the like, well, the I guess probably the criminal trade uh, in a certain sector in a certain high like high power sector. Uh, so what do we? I guess I guess there's a lot of directions we can go with that um in the like pre-heist steps Mm -hmm. so i guess how do you think the season formula should compare to the first season because the first season we talked a lot about lando becoming lando and then lando getting the crew and then doing the first job uh but so now we, we know who Lando is and whatever else we're going to learn about Lando, we're going to learn through what he does. So should we just spend like the first two episodes co- gathering a, t- a team and then the next four episodes uh, doing the like little jobs um, before the big job that and these little missions can also include gathering the team as well and then the last two episodes being the kind of climax i think so here here's kind of what i'm thinking uh in terms of breaking down episodes i think the first episode um is maybe a personal mission for lando himself that dryden sets up to basically be like, well, here's the thing. I'm going to spare your life if you can do this. Right. One if you can, if you me. can prove that, uh, you, you, that, so you talk a big game about your skills as a pilot and things like that. Mm-hmm. So if you can prove that you can do all those things in this like solo mission with just you, L3 and the Falcon, then I won't hunt you down and kill you. Right. Um, and so that could be the first episode. Then I think you look at episode uh, episode two, maybe even three, if you want to do a two-parter in the sense of to where it's the first kind of small job for Dryden Voss. But in this, you have um, Dryden pick the team. Okay, I like that. You have Dryden pick the team because it's like, okay, you're good, but I don't know if you... I mean, the, 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 the crew that you had, I killed them easily. They're not tough. So I'm going to go ahead and pick this team for you. Yeah, and, I, and I think that's an important thing to note about Lando is that he can fight, but he's not like that's not what he's primarily known for. And that's not going to be mm-hmm. his main skill set. Right. And I think because of the dynamics of the team, they barely get the job done and they barely get the job done because of lando and his skills in other areas not necessarily in fighting but in his areas of um are i don't you, know just the, the way that one job uh no i'm talking about season two okay so, so yeah. you think i'm talking so about you th- yeah i think that's probably fair because we want for this final job to be very difficult because it needs to be very um memorable it needs to be very like valuable to dryden Mm -hmm. and i think he and here's my intentions of doing that my intentions is to make it to where in the first job that 
he does for Dryden. They barely get it done, but only because Lando isn't able to really work with his team. Like, remember, this is a team that Dryden picked out. And because of that fact, there's a lot of infighting, a lot of bickering um, that the only way that they really get it done is because Lando has just that scoundrel luck. Um, and he's able to pull them out of that situation to where at the end of that, maybe if we do that in two episodes, if we do that, then we're at the point to where um, Dryden's just like, okay, for the next job, you get to assemble your own team. Okay. And we'll, and we'll probably see... There's like one or two from the first team that Dryden assembles that can stay, but the rest mm-hmm. are the rest who really cause the group to fall apart. They they leave and, and Lando is tasked to replace them. Yes, yeah, we can do that um, because what we can do from that point is um, we can start introducing and showcasing Lando's ability to lead. Mm-hmm. Because we want to plant those things, plant those seeds for Cloud City in Episode Five right. of just like this is how because he's actually good with people that he deems worthy enough to work with. Right, um, and I'm glad that you mentioned Episode Five right now because uh, I was just thinking that um, throughout this entire season, Lando's motivation is to get his kind of neck out of the chopping line for uh the crimson dawn he doesn't want to be in debt to them anymore he doesn't doesn't want anything with them uh have to do with them and so like this entire time he's kind of viewed uh dryden what he and dryden has as a deal and so in a way uh if we were to actually write this and write lines for it i would really want there to be not like directly on the nose, but I want him to basically say the steel is getting worse all the time. Um, yeah. Because I think, yeah. And just like after like a certain episode where uh, this small job was particularly bad, um, I think that would be really interesting, but or really funny. But what we could do at, at this point in the season, we have one more job before the i think a three-part finale okay because we're trying to figure a lot of other different things out in those final three episodes but we get this one job done lando's very good at picking people um and getting the best out of them that he possibly can um to where in the season finale for those three episodes we get three different phases of um, triumph for Lando. Okay. So what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is in maybe in that first episode, we see the Felucia job, uh, him getting that done, which is not easy, but because of the relationship he builds with his team, none of them falter. None of them die. Uh, which is pretty much Lando's biggest uh, fear in this job. Why? Because the last time he had a huge major job, everyone that he knew died Mm -hmm. by the end of the mission. And so his goal is to make sure that they all get out 
safely. Um, because whoever we decide to choose as that major mentor that in season one, when he passes away, um, he's, he's on Lando's mind as they go through this mission. Because he lost, even though it was only one person on the actual job, he doesn't want to lose anybody. So it really pulls on Lando's emotional mindset through this job. Yeah, I like that. And I think um, depending on how kind of character development goes and how uh, people go, because they survive under Lando's kind of direction and plans, uh, I think we could even see some of those people come back in the Crimson Dawn series. Or we could even start planting seeds of people who are going to join him on Cloud City, like Lobot. Yeah, that's true. Um, I don't want to do too much, only because I, I mean, it's it's catering to fans, but it's also just, you know, of course Lobot's going to be extremely loyal to Lando. Why is he so devoted to him? Mm. Uh, to where he doesn't question anything from Lando. Um, now, I don't know if Lobot has been written to meet Lando in any other way in the Star Wars universe that's canon. But if there isn't, then I think this is a good opportunity to introduce him and bring him in as one of the the guys that he brings into the team. Hmm. So maybe one of the maybe this Felucia job is uh this Felucia job has to do with the Empire. Yeah, that could be good. And and getting under, I, I guess, getting away with, uh, not necessarily, I guess, taking over the entire trade route, but even in the point of um, being able to sneak past a blockade of some sort or the Empire through this trade route for Dryden Voss. Right. Uh, and I think, I mean, it it fits in coherently with uh, the greater context of the Crimson Dawn wanting to uh, weaken the Empire because basically Darth Maul is just trying to start his own little empire at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that's how we can get introduced to Lobot. Lobot is someone that Lando meets on Felucia builds a relationship with, has him turn on the Empire, and then starts running with Lando. That might be... That would be good, but I think... That might not be enough time to, like, build that relationship. That's true. Um, I think it would be better if, like, one of the sub-jobs um, before Felucia... So, say Felucia is something about breaking into an imperial base or an imperial station Mm -hmm. and um the one of the sub jobs beforehand is basically kidnapping lobot uh so that you can use him in order to get in so this is like the job that dryden has for them so that they can be successful and right so we could even make it to so what if we make that the first part of the three part finale do you think that's enough time to do those things? Maybe. Maybe. Or maybe even extend season two to ten. 
I mean, yeah, 10 episodes would be fine. And we can make, like, the Felucia job the majority or, like, half of season two. Because it's such a big job. It has to deal with the Empire, Crimson Dawn. uh, And you have to develop Lando and his characters for this. So if we make this a five-part finale, which is sounds crazy for us to do that. Um, But we can even have maybe two episodes that are pre-Felucia. Like the pre-Felucia job, like the actual job itself. The first two episodes are the stages leading up to the Felucia job. And then the the three episodes are the actual job going into place. I think that would be the best way to put it. So like you technically separate the season like in half by saying like, okay, so the first part is like preliminary jobs and the second part is Felucia jobs. But even in the Felucia job, like the first two of that like five episode series or, or half, is um, the first two episodes are b- before, like, but they're di- they're leading directly into. So they they go through, they do these preliminary uh, jobs in order to set up the Felucia job. We're in the Felucia job. Um, they they they're able to get this job done, uh, and Lando is able to lead them successfully through everything. His whole team survives, heads back to Dryden Voss. Um, and I think probably in the season finale, what I would love to do is to just really get into Crimson Dawn. You find out in the finale that this final job wasn't just for Dryden Voss, but was for specifically Darth Maul. Mm-hmm. And what he wanted to accomplish and what he wanted to get done. But when you say you find out, you you don't mean Lando, do you? No, I don't. I think you I think you Lando's able to get away. Remember, he believes everything is he's it's done. He's, All is yeah. forgiven. Uh and he goes off in his merry way. And I think those last five to ten minutes of the of the season is devoted specifically to set up uh, the Crimson Dawn yeah. series. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And so that is how we conclude um, the Kyle Rizian show. Mm-hmm. So we, there's still a lot that, you know, if we want to like really dig deeper and get into it, I mean, we can come back into the writing room and work specifics, but this is basically the skeleton of what we want to do right we've got the we've got the direction and the arcs now there's a lot of empty filling of the arc for and we don't have a team of writers and we're not getting paid to fill in these things so <laughs> no we're, so, we're not. so we'll let y'all decide a little bit more about what Felucia's really like um but i think i think this is a good like program through which you can uh, write the Lando series. And I think Disney definitely should hire us. Um, I, I agree. Think, I think um, uh, Dave Filoni um, is a necessary member of our team. Um, oh, for sure. And, Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I think, I think that's um, yeah, just do it. 
Let's just do it. Let's do it. All right. So at this point in time, we are going to, again, provide even more of a skeleton for the Crimson Dawn show. um, Because this is, this is the setup to it. This is, this show is leading to the Crimson Dawn show. Lando show to the Crimson Dawn show is what I meant. But basically it's going to show the demise of Maul and Crimson Dawn and what becomes of them, which I think is very interesting because here's what I'm saying. Maul is an important character and he will be a main character in this series. Or at least that's that's my personal opinion. That's what I would like to see. Well, I think there's a little bit of room for discussion over that real quick. Um, because... I agree that Maul is an important character and, and the kind of justification for this series is to explain how Maul gets to like the hermit status that he is in, in rebels, uh, as opposed to the big leader over this gigantic crime agency. Um, and as, and I think that the best way to go about that is to, do it through Kira as the main character. Mm. But the thing with that is we're given a few different options as to how we want to develop Kira because that's what the series is really going to do. The series is really going to show us more about why Kira does what she does. And we have to decide, is she really a cold-hearted criminal or is she... uh, good inside but just willing to get her hands dirty to kind of get that greater good out there yeah that is that is a tough one because we know that crimson dawn is going to fall i think the question is does kira fall with it um and it really just depends on what if we decide to bring han solo into this series um, because I think, and I know this is more going towards the ending, but again, we have to, in order to figure out, okay, how do we establish these characters? What do we have them do? Also, let's just say but if, like 10 episodes, just right. Off right. Back, just 10 episodes. Yeah. Because I think like the Kenobi series, we, this needs to be a limited series. So it's only one season. It's 10 episodes to kind of highlight all of these things, uh, together. Um, or maybe that's not enough time. You don't think one season's enough time? Again, it depends on what the story that we're going that's for. And, um, and but and we could even go so far as to put a time jump within the series, within the season. So say at first five episodes takes place in one period of time, and then you fast forward like a few months or a year or two. So if we do it at that point, then yeah, we can do a limited series, just have it be 10 episodes mm-hmm. and then call it a, a forever. Yeah. Um, because I think with Kira, what happens is that if Han is in this series, she sacrifices herself for Han uh, at the end. Now, if we don't have him in this series, then what happens is that Kira fully invests herself into crimson dawn um initially because 
she doesn't want Maul to kill her. But then eventually she starts to actually have power. Mm-hmm. And so she and attempts that to twist and corrupts her. And so she attempts to overthrow Maul as the leader of Crimson Dawn. And I guess she pulls it off if either she pulls it off or she ruins everything this for is everyone. This kind of interesting because I really want to see both. <laughs> I, I, I want to know what the story would go like either way. And so this would be mm-hmm. a good example of like a Star Wars what if. Oh. Yeah, it would be. But I I agree. I think Kira is the most important character in this. While I do think Maul should still be a major character in this, maybe he just he needs to just show up at the most three times through the series. I think that's a good way to do it. Because I think he's supposed to be... I think he is like the big bad guy for the series. But he's supposed to be kind of still shadowy. Still... Even though we all mm-hmm. know about him because we've seen him in Solo. And we would probably see him at the end of Calrissian. Uh, it's still He's still not just like out there and flaunting himself. And so you definitely would not see him every episode. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. And so setting up this series is interesting because I I actually do want to take it. Uh, shoot. Okay. We're we're gonna do it. So here here here's what I'm proposing. We save Han Solo for another series. Okay. We don't bring him in. Because the idea of Kira trying to take over Crimson Dawn, which could be actually the conclusion of what she says in the final minutes of the fifth episode of this of this se- of this series, she says, "You know, I want all of this to be mine." Mm. Boom! Time jump into episode six. Um, and then we just see everything just go crazy in yeah. the final five episodes. And I think, and I, I think as much as I like Alden Ehrenreich and would want to put Han into this show, I think that is the better option because in Star Wars we don't get enough um, examples of people like descending into darkness. Like we see it in the prequels, and that's basically it. Uh, even in Rise of Skywalker, where we see the evil Ray for half a second, um, mm-hmm. that could have been really interesting if if that had actually been Ray, and for like the rest of the movie. well, I think that in Rise of Skywalker, Ray does in some points she starts descending a little bit, or she starts getting more tempted with the dark side well, because I Kylo think, is trying right, to bring that out not, of her. Not the full like right, she's not, absolutely. She's not shark yeah. tooth Ray. Um, yes, true. Which the no. shark tooth but I, isn't, I, isn't why I like that character. <laughs> In fact, I don't, I don't <laughs> like the shark tooth at all. But I like the the double bladed red lightsaber. That's pretty cool. I think that's a good um, point that we don't see that enough in Star Wars. So if Kira can be this kind of character, which is really tragic, I think is going to be for a lot of people because you'd be like, oh, Kira and Han, it's so much better than Leia and Han. Yeah, I'm like, no, it's not. But it's a great way of setting up Kira to the first five episodes is really her. It's really yeah. Kira doing Maul's bidding, which we could see costs her a couple of things. 
to where she says, if I'm going to be making these sacrifices, mm-hmm. I'm going to be the one in charge. And so then we go into the final five episodes where this plan goes into action. She spent mm-hmm. months, maybe a year preparing, planting seeds for this to happen. Uh, and I want to throw this by you. I don't know if this is if this is a good idea or not. But again, we're in the writing room, so we can pitch anything uh, and shoot whatever we want down. But I think what is part of the demise for Kira and for Maul is the Empire. Okay. Say more things. Because the, the thing is, is that Kira and Maul, they're going after each other in these final five episodes so hard, it catches the attention of the Emperor again. And so the Emperor is just going to be like, I thought I put this dog down. And so she sends forces the empire to just eradicate um crimson dawn and get rid of maul which this is too much uh this is just me being a fanboy but what if it what if no because it's gonna be it's gonna feel way too much like rogue one but what if vader gets involved for like a, a little bit i don't know i think i like i think vader and no, I, I think Vader and Maul being close together is, like, the first time that that happens should be in Rebels. I, I think that's, you don't need to throw mm-hmm. that together. Although it would be fun to watch Vader fight Darth Maul. Um, well, I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily talking about Vader and Maul. I was more talking about... Vader and Kira. Um, Vader and Kira, but more Crimson Dawn. Like, he's the one who's leading the forces. Uh, and he's the one who ends up ki- killing Kira. Maybe. But maybe it might just be... Like, just nonchalantly. Mm. No. Because I feel like that's a pretty empty use of Vader. Like, uh, like why mm-hmm. does it have to yeah. be Vader to do this job? So, yeah, let's not do that then. But I still, I still am very much with the idea that the Empire does get involved, though. Yeah, and, and I think I can get on board with that, too. Like, the this show can basically end with a sort of fight. It would, the fight would have to be a space battle, I think. Mm-hmm. Because Kira's not going to do anything to uh, Darth Maul, like, in person. No, absolutely not. And so, wow, but, yeah. like, during the space battle between, like... Kira's collection of Crimson Dawn ships versus Maul's, uh, just like out of hyperspace and without any warning, comes except maybe like five seconds before where they like have a scanner that says that something is coming in, and you just see like a giant star destroyer or like a few star destroyers just come in and just start wrecking shop. Yeah, and then you have like an admiral say something of just like. Now the Emperor will get rid of Maul once and for all. I don't even think that's necessary. No, yeah. I I think... Because if we do that, then... People are going to ask questions about who the heck this Admiral is and why he's important. I think it, it, it would almost be better to keep the Emperor kind of... Or not the Emperor, but the Empire kind of faceless during this scene. 
It's just like mm-hmm. you know that it's the Empire because it's Star Destroyers and Tie Fighters and things like that. But you don't I see do. anybody except maybe Stormtroopers. Yeah, and I do, but I do think that there there needs to be a reason why they show up though. Like that needs to be explained somehow. Yeah, that's true. Because I and I think your explanation of like there's a there's like a more or less public disturbance between these ships that are fighting each other that somehow mm-hmm. gets on the Empire's radar. I just don't know. I guess maybe we have someone maybe on the planet, uh, like a citizen. Like it's just like a, say it, like call the Empire or something like that. Yeah, like do something. Just like does the Empire know about this? Or or even have like if they're fighting over a planet because most of these planets, even if they if the Empire doesn't have a stronghold over them, they'll have like some outpost of of Imperial troops there, and so those mm-hmm. Imperial troops uh, notice this fight going on and we see we have like a glimpse of them like saying to call the admiral or something like that Mm -hmm. and then uh we have this thing to where the empire is destroying everything and everyone maul escapes and he flies to uh that one sith planet malachor is it is it malachor yeah no it is it is malachor Okay. It's just cool. not Malachor so, five. It's, it's right. Just Malachor, yeah, it's just Malachor. So he goes and he flies to Malachor. Kira, I guess, dies in space. Probably. Uh, yeah. Probably. Uh, and there doesn't need to be any hints of anything else happening. It's just this is. I think this is a cool series because kind of like what I would want a Vader film to be. The ending is not happy. It's just. It's tragic. Right. Uh, and so I think that's how you kind of conclude it. Yeah. And then as for the body of that, I think the kind of genre that the show is, is it's like an organized crime drama. And so mm-hmm. Kira, especially in the second half of the season, is going to be going to all of the different like lieutenants of Darth Maul, like all of the different people who are kind of at her level of closeness to Maul. And then right. gathering as many will um, join her as she can and killing whoever doesn't. Yeah. And we really see a darker Kira. Right. Through this. So. That is how we would. That is the skeleton of Crimson of our Crimson Dawn series. Um, which is easier because it's only one season. It's a limited series. Uh and I think it just gets the job done of of seeing a little bit more of Kira and Maul. Yeah, the end of Kira, the end of Kira's things. story in Crimson Dawn, and then um, explaining how Maul gets to where we see him. Right. So that is going to conclude uh, this writing room. Uh, and again, these are just skeletons. We, they're not fleshed out completely, like Luke said. We don't have Dave Filoni under contract just yet. Just yet. We're waiting um, We're waiting in the mail. Um, yeah, we're waiting. We're looking at our mailboxes every day. And um, mm-hmm. just trying to... Just, yeah. Yeah. So, Luke, what what's next That's a great for this question. writing room? What, I, what are we going to do? I think... What would be the best? There's, there's a lot of options out there. 
look, um, Star Wars is starting to move into new horizons and into new territories. Or rather, should I say, old territories. Ooh. Ooh. Are you going where I think you are? Uh, if, if, if you think we're going to the High Republic era, then yeah. Yes, absolutely. That's where I think we're going. Yeah, we can start talking about um, that. Uh, that's, that's a period of time that I'm really looking forward to seeing. Um, absolutely. And I, I think if they get the right people behind us, um, namely... Oh, sorry. If I if I, I let it slip a little bit, <laughs> I think if they get the right people behind this project, namely us, then I think that the High Republic era can be uh, a great thing. Right, and so again, this is a series that um, is going to come back every every now and then. Uh, the next episode we come out, maybe a writing room episode, or it could be another topic. Um, Honestly, it's up to us and anything that we put out, you guys are going to listen to anyway. So, wow, okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of domineering. It really is. But, you know, The Writing Room, I think, is an amazing series that can come back at any point yeah, in time. It's never and really we... gone. No, no Writing Room mm. series is ever really gone. That's actually, mm, that's very wise. I feel like they should put that in a movie. Yeah, there's yeah, line for line. They should say um Luke Luke should have said to um his first apprentice, "No writing room series is ever gone." Hmm. That's good. That sounds like that should be part of the sacred Jedi text. Jedi text. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, for Luke Fornay, this is David Gonzalez for the Star Wars historians here on the Gazebo Effects podcast, and as always, may the force be with you. Goodbye, everybody.